0: This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, July 18th, 2022. I'm Caleb Brown. As the pandemic began to wane and inflation took hold, Senator Elizabeth Warren saw something, record profits among some corporations. Her conclusion, the federal government must crack down on price gouging. Cato's Ryan Bourne details why Warren is sadly mistaken. Whenever we have a natural disaster, uh, a lot of state attorneys general say, well, you better look out, folks. I'm going to be looking for price gougers. You may not take advantage of this horrible disaster in order to turn a quick buck on things like lumber, water, ice, uh, and other sort of basic necessities that might get knocked out, uh, or the supply chains might get knocked out uh, after a natural disaster. And th- those, we can argue about those, but for the most part, they're I know it when I see it. Right?
1: Different states have different anti-price gouging uh, statutes in the way that they work. Uh, And in effect, they try and dissuade companies from uh, raising prices by a high degree uh, during emergencies through the threat of fines or or other legal action against the firms. Now, um, this is all predicated on the idea that price rises in emergencies are kind of unfair, they're immoral in a certain way, but, you know, if you're an economist thinking about the allocation of resources, what we're worried about is what the, the actual impacts of these uh, uh, statutes will be on the availability of goods and services. And the simple fact is that prices in a market economy tend to only rise sharply for two reasons. Either there's been a massive increase in demand or there's been a massive um, contraction in supply. And in both of those kind of instances, uh, the price mechanism helps allocate products um, such that those who uh, value the most, those who really, really need them, uh, tend to be willing to pay the higher price. And actually that higher price then in some ways incentivizes, particularly if it's demand driven, incentivizes more producers to bring that product to market, uh, to take it out of their cupboards and make it more widely available. So, you know, the practical consequence of these laws even though they they have this kind of moral underpinning, is that actually it can can take longer for the uh, market to to work itself out and lead to prolonged shortages of the product.
0: Right in the context of a natural disaster, uh, people who decide to bring lumber from out of state or bring ice or you know other kinds of refrigeration or portable generators and things like that, it's not purely out of a sense of boy i'm going to go turn a quick buck on these poor saps who had to deal with this tornado and it's also not purely out of the goodness of their hearts that they want to bring these things to uh, the people who so desperately need them it's that i can afford to do this uh, in part because the price has gone up i can afford to help these people get back to normal
1: yeah there's always going to be charitable institutions um uh, that are able to, uh, deliver aid where it's needed. And that might be the, you know, providing the goods, um, outside of market institutions. But, um, what we worry about as economists is what happens on the margin, you know, what happens at the very, very low level. And if you're somebody who perhaps lives at just outside of a disaster zone and has lots of bottled water, um, in your home and available. If you're deciding whether it's worth you going into uh, an affected region to sell that water, uh, you might consider the the costs and the dangers to you of getting there, um, and, uh, and and you might consider what price you'd be able to get for that product, and balance those two things out and consider is it actually worth me making this journey? So on the margin, you know the price mechanism uh, facilitates and encourages uh, people to provide the product that people clearly want and need. Uh, you know, the price is a messenger, right? The price is a messenger screaming that there's a relative scarcity of that product. And what we do with stuff like uh, price controls and anti-price gouging laws is essentially we urge, uh, we, we, we quieten the price messenger. We like hold a gun to its head and, and tell it to tell a comforting lie about the availability of a product.
0: Elizabeth Warren has been watching closely. The, uh, you know, as many, many on the left have pointed to, record profits of a lot of companies, uh, oil companies, most most notably, and she, would, she says that she wants to identify and uh, have the federal government do something about what she believes is price gouging at the federal level. This would be the first of its kind, right?
1: Yeah. So as a result of both the pandemic first and then uh, the impacts of uh, price hikes stemming from the war in Ukraine certain politicians on Capitol Hill have decided that they would like to try and impose a federal anti-price gouging statute. Uh, There was one idea for a bill that talked about and debated in the House quite recently that would affect just the oil and gas industries. But Elizabeth Warren actually wants to pass a federal anti-price gouging law, which would, in essence, ban firms as standard from raising prices above an unconscionably Uh, high level, uh, a big increase um, during certain emergencies. And those uh, emergencies are defined quite broadly to include things such as wars and pandemics. Now, um, firms uh, can offer a defense of their behavior under this uh, statute. uh, and, And the details of that depend on whether they're very large firms or small firms. But in essence, the way that they can kind of uh, claim what, the, what they're doing is, is fine and moral is to show that uh, their business costs have gone up and the price going up is re- a reflection of the increase in business costs. Now, of course, that completely discounts the idea that um, a big increase in supply can be a legitimate, uh, a big increase in demand can be a legitimate driver of a, of a rising price. So back in the pandemic, uh, if you remember when politicians suddenly said, we recommend you use more hand sanitizer. There wasn't a contraction in supply of hand sanitizer. One of the reasons that the price went up very sharply is that all of a sudden there was a demand surge. And we quite often see that when situations change in emergencies. And in essence, Elizabeth Warren's bill would be saying it's actually illegitimate for firms to raise prices significantly even when you've had such an increase in demand that there's a relative scarcity
0: of the product, right? It is the it is the job of retailers or sellers of these products to run out.
1: In essence, that would be the practical consequence. Yeah, uh, you can you can be incredibly generous and talk about. Uh, how moral you've been in, in keeping the price suppressed, but the practical consequence would be less of the product available and so prolonged shortages of the product because the price would not be reflecting
0: the reality of the supply and demand conditions in the market. So um, how does she defend this? Because it, it, it to the extent that price gouging is itself this sort of nebulous thing that uh, lawmakers or law enforcement can point to and say, you're due, you're engaging in this practice... Um, and we've determined that your reasons for raising prices during this time are illegitimate. Even if you and I can say that they're not, um, uh, what what defense is she offering?
1: Well, the effective defense that she's offering is that prices should reflect costs, and you know, in competitive markets, prices do tend to reflect uh, uh, marginal marginal costs of production. Uh, and she's saying that a lot of the firms cannot justify the price hikes that they've seen according to what's happened to their costs. Now, there are all sorts of reasons why that, uh, that might be broadly true in many markets, but might still be wrong. Right? Many businesses, when they're setting prices, of course, are trying to anticipate the costs that they're going to face as a result of a change situation. If you know that your wage costs are going to go up pretty significantly as a result of you know the changing dynamics of your sector, you might anticipate that by putting prices up uh, initially, to reflect that uh, wages tend to lag prices uh, throughout throughout different markets. Uh, but fundamentally, where I again think it's misguided is it just doesn't really play, it doesn't really consider any role for demand shifts in affecting prices. And we know that there are instances, particularly after emergencies, where you do get major, major shifts in demand for certain products, certain products that you might not otherwise need. You know, if your power's out and all of a sudden you need uh, a lot of candle life, for example, <laughs> demand for candles is going to surge. Um, if uh, under this type of bill, uh, you know, a firm could technically be kind of investigated for raising candle prices if, if demand had gone through the roof, the willingness to pay had gone up. If that didn't reflect an increase uh, in the cost to them of obtaining or or uh, making candles, and now that that really misunderstands how the supply demand dynamics shape the price in a market economy.
0: And economists broadly agree on the effects of these kinds of laws and whether or not they're a good idea.
1: Yeah, that's right. So there was a recent poll by the IGM uh, group, and University of Chicago uh, Booth, and in essence, asked them exactly whether they would be supportive of the principle underpinning Elizabeth Warren's bill. So they were asked, you know, would it serve the US economy well to make it unlawful for companies with revenues over a billion dollars, which is... Uh, the companies under her bill who don't have a right to an affirmative defense based on the cost. They have to prove it uh, to offer goods or services at an unconscionably excessive price during an exceptional market shock. So when economists were asked about that and you weighted their answers by the confidence that they had in their answers, 84% disagreed with that statement and only 3% agreed. And you saw similar numbers for uh, for a part of the bill that um, we haven't talked about yet, which was that um, so that the government has more information to try and chase after these price gougers during an emergency, what Elizabeth Warren would want you to do, want these big companies to do, is to submit details of their pricing and their cost base and their profit margins to the SEC, the Securities Exchange Commission, and uh, and in essence, they'd have to do that each quarter until the emergency ended. So you'd get government officials poring over uh, this data to try and review. Uh, who's price gouging? Who's increasing prices by more than their their costs justify? And economists, again, not only think that's a bureaucratic nightmare, but think it misunderstands the fact that demand shifts can
0: uh, can affect prices. Yeah, it's too. just a conceptual error. That's right. So I find it hard to believe that after an emergency subsides, that either Elizabeth Warren or the SEC would want these companies to stop providing this information to the federal agency.
1: Well, as part of the bill, you know, you you would have to be in a self declared um, uh, exceptional market shock for, for for this type of thing, but one could easily imagine with these with this type of legislation that. Um, bureaucrats, administrators, politicians get used to obtaining such information and then think it's useful for for other means. So I think that's a real risk with any of this type of legislation, that what's good in uh, emergency periods suddenly becomes something that uh, is wanted and obtained in in normal <laughs> market
0: settings too. Does this thing, uh, does her legislation have legs at all? Or is it, as I suspect with Elizabeth Warren, like other uh, lawmakers on the Republican and Democrat they're smarter than this uh, but they're not but they don't play that way on TV I think it's um
1: I think it's by and large signaling I mean I never like to second guess uh, what people on Capitol Hill are going to do but I suspect this is about signaling displeasure with major companies for the type of prices we're seeing. Of course, there's a political dimension to this as well at the moment in that, uh, understandably, as the the governing party, uh, Democrats are being burdened with uh, the cost of living pressures that individual households are facing as a result of very, very high rates of inflation. So if you can deflect some of that and say, actually, That's not due to policy, whether that be fiscal or monetary policy. Uh, A lot of this is down to greedy companies. uh, Hiking prices more than their cost bases um, uh, kind of suggest that they should be. Then it's a way of passing the buck away from politicians
0: and towards businesses. Ryan Bourne occupies the R. Evan Scharf Chair for the Public Understanding of Economics at the Cato Institute. Please subscribe and give a rating to the Cato Daily Podcast on your podcast platform of choice – and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast.